0: you got to stay persistent. you got to develop relationships. It takes time.
1: Today on the Rising Coaches podcast, we get to speak with the current special assistant to the head coach at Ball State, Coach Bill Comar. Coach Comar is a pivotal name in the Rising Coaches tree as a member, but also in the Ball State coaching staff. Coach Comar brings over 20 plus years of coaching expertise at various stops such as Dayton, Miami of Ohio. Xavier, Loyola, Chicago, Indiana, and currently where he stands, Ball State University. He brings an extensive coaching background to the table, having worked in various positions from academic coordinator all the way to an assistant coach and many positions in between. Everyone please welcome coach Bill Komar. Video analysis is expensive and I'm sure your budget isn't getting much bigger. Fulcrum Tech is here to help. Used by basketball teams at all levels from D1, D2, D3, all the way to high school. Their Angles product is similar to what you know and allows you to code, capture, and analyze with ease. All you have to do is import the raw video and synergy with just the click of a mouse. Over the past two years, over 60% of their D1 teams and conferences, such as the SEC, Pac-12, American, A10, or even the NBC, just to name a few, have made the postseason. All this while saving thousands and thousands of dollars a year compared to their old companies. Because let's be honest, who doesn't want to save more money? All you have to do is reach out to at Fulcrum Tech on Twitter or reach out to their sales at sales at via email and be sure to mention if you are a rising coaches member or the Rising Coaches podcast. Do more, spend less with Fulcrum Tech. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Rising Coaches Podcast. Again, I am Doug Caputo, alongside the man here, Alan Major, and we are excited to speak with the special assistant to the head coach at All State University, Coach Bill Komar. Coach Komar, what's going on?
0: Hey, Doug. Coach Major, How, how's everybody doing tonight?
1: We're good, man. Good, good. To see, good to see
2: you, brother. It's been a while. I got to get up there and say what's up, but uh, good. To, Good to have you with us, man. Thanks for doing this.
0: My pleasure. Great to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: You got it. So to give you a a down low of kind of how things are going to go, give you a quick briefing. So we'll talk about your coaching career and your journey and what what it took to basically get you to where you are. Um, Then we'll talk about your current role at Ball State, and there's some things in there that are definitely interesting that we kind of want to make sure to touch on. Nothing crazy, but just primarily because we haven't had anybody in your role yet on this call. So Mm -hmm. we want to learn a little bit more about how to be best assist Coaches, um, and then we'll get into our final segment, three quick hitters and a final question, wrap it up from there, and then um, we'll we'll get on our way. So Sounds to kind good. of tie things back, the first thing I noticed, so I do always do a little quick research on the coaches, one thing I noticed from you, and it was very interesting, and I have to make sure to ask this. So you graduated from one from Kenyon College, uh, very familiar yeah. with Kenyon. You got a bachelor of arts in psychology and then master of science in sports studies with a concentration in sport behavior and performance from uh, Miami of Ohio. So those two degrees, I, I got a master's in psychology, but those two degrees for my perspective, I want to kind of hear from someone else. How do you think those degrees have helped you excel in the role that you currently are in and, and previous roles?
0: Yeah, great question. I I think, uh, you know, it's funny you ask that because I probably don't think about it every day, but I I would say that those educational experiences have probably shaped who I am and come out in some way every day in 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 how I go about doing my job. You know, certainly the, the 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 master's degree in sport behavior and performance it was a, a, a cross disciplinary study of sports, so it kind of encapsulated all areas from Psychological, sociological, motoric, mm-hmm. physiological, and mm-hmm. really understanding how all of those come into the interplay in sport. Uh, from my psychology background, I always have had the, uh, you know, probably the biggest interest in the mental aspect of sport. And, and I just think it plays a huge role in terms of how you connect with players, how you motivate players, how mm-hmm. you motivate yourself, how you deal with uh, anxiety, how you deal with adversity when things aren't going well and you have to find ways to kind of pick yourself up when you fall down, that those are a big part of uh, every day in what I do. I think Mm -hmm. the other piece that probably comes into what I feel I do every day, a lot of times I feel like I'm a problem solver. And I think (laughs) you know, regardless of, you know, what was the course that I took uh, as an undergraduate in psychology, but I think the liberal arts education was really a great background in terms of how to think critically and, and uh, Mm -hmm. uh, solve problems and think about different issues that go into them. And uh, as I say, I think it plays out every day and how I go about my job.
2: No doubt. That was a home run answer. I mean, I've Doug, you don't know this, but I've been lucky enough to know Bill for, I guess, what, 22, 23 years now. I mean, met yep. Xavier in 2001, and we hit the ground running. It was basically, you know, almost mid-July by the time, the, you know, we got <laughs> to campus. <laughs> yep. and, but like, and it, it was a crazy three years. I mean, we just had so much going on, but like, the best way i could describe you and i'll tell you this now and and, and i probably always felt it never told you you brought like a, a steadying force to everything that we did because you know we, we had our emotional highs and lows and coaches and you know all this and you know at the time you were kind of you know weren't able to maybe get on the court back then like now so um right you're kind of fo- more focused on the op stuff and you know logistics and the day-to-day you know you kept us pointed straight like the whole thing is goes off the rails if he's not around Doug I'm telling you right now and so like he just <laughs> he was literally like a steadying force and so there's no question that's that's still a big part of what you do because you you know, you never jumped out of a problem right away. You kind of took a step back and thought about it and said, okay, what's the best way to attack this? Not the emotional way, not the instinctual way. Like what's the best way. And like, you always right. just kind of brought that sensibility to, to what we're doing. So, you know, I, I got no doubt that's he's, you still have an effect on that effect on the staff you're with now.
0: Yeah. I appreciate that. And, I like to think with, uh, you know, another 20 years of experience that, that probably hopefully defines me even more so now, you know, any staff that you're on, you've got to have a balance of personalities. And, <clears> uh, you know, it just so happens a lot of the head coaches I've worked for, they're highly competitive guys. They are they at times can get very emotional. And at times just trying to be uh, centering uh, uh voice you know yeah. where uh at one point um i remember with archie miller he told me one time he, he he was upset about something and he said hey you know you go tell that person you know and whatever it was and 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 you know initially i was like
2: uh um uh, okay uh so I <laughs>
0: <laughs> I conveyed the message that he told me that he wanted to pass along, maybe not in the words that he, he, right. he said to, at the time. Right,
2: right, had to refresh. it. Uh, and,
0: <laughs> you know, a couple of days later, uh, you know, I kind of gave him an update on the situation. He said, uh, why'd you, why'd you uh, tell him that? And I said, well, uh, Coach, you told me to make sure that person <laughs> knew. And he said, anytime I tell you anything, just wait 24 hours. You know, like sometimes just the emotion, the emotion, just wait 24 hours. And, uh, you know, ironically, with Coach Lewis, who was a first year head coach last year, I kind of told him sort of my strategy. Like, you know, when you get upset, it's not that I won't do exactly what you want me to do, but I'm going to give it a little bit of time because maybe we're going to just see this in another way in six to eight hours. No doubt.
2: Right. Right.
1: And and I personally believe, and I'm sure you would 100% agree with this with everything you've said so far, like coaching is, I don't necessarily know what percentage for it, but like a big factor of just the psychological sport, like especially you miss one shot and you put your head down and you start walking back, you know, the, and there's so many different variations of or examples that you can say, but it's a huge psychological sport. I feel like you're more sometimes of a psychologist than you are a basketball coach at times because you got to sit kids down and talk to them, have that conversation and be like, listen, this is this is this and kind of go over things so I'm glad that's why I had to make sure to point that out Um, so thank you for that and then another thing I wanted to kind of go on was your first gig you get your both your degrees first job out of college was an academic coordinator um, for intercollegiate athletics at at Miami of Ohio and then go on to a coordinator uh, basketball operations with Dayton and then lead into an assistant role following after that at Dayton talk about those roles and kind of how those helped you best prepare for your first assistant coaching position
0: Yeah, you know, interestingly, and maybe one step back, when I was a graduate student at Miami, I had a chance to be a a graduate manager with with the basketball program. And I was reflecting on this with a couple of our uh, graduate managers today that uh, uh, when I got hired and Herb Sendek was the coach at uh, Miami of Ohio, and he too was a first-year head coach in 93-94, and um, um, my job essentially was to help the assistant coaches with what they needed. And, uh, you know, it was around practice every day, and I helped with the logistic things. And, you know, at the time, and it was the second year I was a graduate assistant, or graduate manager. Um, <laughs> at the time at Miami, uh, Sean Miller and Thad Mata shared a small office. And Coach Sendek told me, you know, your job is to help these two guys with whatever they need. And so I got to work with two, at that time, young coaches but great young coaches and got to learn a lot got to help them with what they were doing and got to really be involved with a division one program with guys who were uh you know on the front end of the careers they were they were great with player development they were great recruiting they were great in in all areas and uh you know at, at the time when i finished my graduate degree and there wasn't quite um a coaching position that uh, I felt was a good fit that I was able to get. And uh, it, was, it was in early August, uh, I got a call from the, the person who was the academic coordinator at Miami, a woman by the name of Darcy Shriver. And uh, I had worked very closely with Darcy with the academic support with my role as a graduate assistant with the basketball program. And uh, Darcy had the other person uh, who worked with her, uh, ended up taking a coaching position and she had an opening in August, like two days before the football camp opened. And, uh, she said, Hey, I think we can get you in as a, as an interim position here. Otherwise we got to have a, a national search. It'll take us, uh, two to three months. Well, I, I got to have some help. And right. so, um, I had worked closely with her for the two years. I was a graduate student. I got to jump in and, and, uh, you know, help her from an academic standpoint it was really a great opportunity just from the standpoint of not just working with a basketball program, but getting to work with all the programs there, including football, um, and, and, you know, got to work with a lot of terrific coaches uh, in all the sports. But my passion was always to be a coach. And mm-hmm. <laughs> what I would do, I did the very best I could to continue to kind of build my network and, I would take my vacation time and I would go and work basketball camps at other institutions. And the guy who had gotten me involved at Miami of Ohio, when I was looking for an opportunity to be a graduate assistant was a a coach by the name of Dave Manzer. And uh, Dave had left the Miami staff and he went to the University of Dayton. And he said to me, Hey, you know, I think you should come up and get to know Oliver Purnell. I think I think he'll be a good person for you to know. He might be able to help you somewhere along the line with your career. And wow. I take vacation time and I go work Dayton camp for a week. And you know, I would I would work Miami's camp and I I'd, I'd go to a few other places. And any time I could, I tried to get in a position where I could get to know other coaches. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I just remember, like I went up and worked camp, and Coach Parnell had a job open that summer. I ended up not getting it. And, uh, you know, I'd go out to uh, just watch at the uh, Nike All-America camp in Indianapolis. And Mm -hmm. I just started showing up places. And everywhere I went, I'd run into Coach Purnell. And, uh, you know, six months later, he called me up and he said, hey, I think we're going to add a coordinator of basketball operations position. And, you know, you impressed me when you applied for the job the first time. Uh, and I, I just keep seeing you places. I, it seems like you want to do this. Would you be be interested in a job if I'm able to, to work this out? And he certainly didn't promise me anything. And I think he had some other candidates, but I said, Hey coach, if you have a job tomorrow, if you have a job next week, if you have a job next month, or if it's next year, like I I'd love to do it. I, I just, I can't wait to be involved. And so It was kind of like while I got some experience, developed some skills and professional experiences, I also continued every which way I could to try and build relationships with coaches. And a lot of that was back in those days, being able to go to a camp and work, Mm -hmm. whether it was two days, four days, five days. And, you know, again, I hope to show my passion and as well as my ability as a teacher and a communicator.
2: Yeah, I love that, Bill. I mean, and you're actually, we we also do pods for Rising Coaches members, and we call it Member Spotlight. So this is actually a Member Spotlight pod that we're doing, and you. So you're you're actually preaching the Rising Coaches gospel here, <laughs> yeah. to you know, to the masses, because that's the very thing we talk about on this pod all the time. Is is just the 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 building and cultivation of quality relationships because you just, you just never know. Like you literally just don't ever know. So, right. No,
0: I, I mean, the first time I went and worked a Dayton camp, I mean, I was a stranger to uh, coach Purnell. Mm -hmm. And uh, you you know, the thing is it wasn't that I saw him for however long that camp was, but I found ways to continue to touch him Mm -hmm. and build a relationship that, over time became a genuine relationship. The same way, you know, that I probably did with Thad Mata and Sean Miller. Yeah, for sure. Then then after that, uh, Sean's brother, Archie. And, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, working with James Whitford, who he and I were graduate assistants at the same time at Miami of Ohio. And then we worked together 10 years later at Xavier. And then another 10 years later... I had an opportunity to be on his staff. Um, My time here at Ball State with Coach Lewis, Um, Coach Lewis was a guy I didn't know real well personally. We were certainly acquaintances, and I'd met Mm -hmm. him a number of times. But um, certainly the connection with Indiana basketball that I had worked at Indiana, he was a player, and you know, in role that I had was always trying to connect with uh, former players and and just the tremendous tradition that Indiana basketball has. But Right. The, the real opportunity for me came was that although Coach Lewis didn't know me all that well personally, he knew of me, mm-hmm. but it was, he knew Archie Miller. He knew Mike Roberts. He knew Kenya Hunter. He knew all those guys I had worked with every day at, at Indiana. Right. And those were guys that he trusted and they could all speak on me because I was with them every day for multiple years, you know, yeah. and Yep. Archie's case 10 plus years. In Kenya yeah. Hunter's case, we were together in a couple of different spots for you know, three years in one place, a year in another place. And mm-hmm. with Mike Roberts, we had worked together for two years. So those relationships where sometimes it's like, How does this lead to the next spot? To your point, you never know.
2: You never know. Yeah. No, that's it, man.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I can even say now I don't necessarily have the resume or the experience or the positions that you have, but just having the all the jobs that I've got are from people that I know or connections that like every single I shouldn't say every maybe one was without connections, but everything else. So it's just like I, I can completely back that. Um, but then you started talking about a little bit how you know you started Indiana, you were the assistant athletic director. Um, well, excuse me, for basketball administration and then led you into Adobo yep. and ultimately your current role as a special assistant assistant um, at Indiana and then brought you over to Ball State University. So your experiences at Ball State, what are some things that maybe you learned at previous roles that helped you grow into you know what you're doing now?
0: Yeah, and I think it's probably worth noting that, you know, a lot of these jobs that I've had, you know, like I started out at the outset by saying my, my goal has always been to be a coach. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in most of the places, um, regardless of what the title is and and certainly some rule restrictions, a little bit less so in the current climate of uh, college basketball where some of these rules change. But I've always been sort of involved in the coaching within the rules at, at all the places I've been with probably like where the other assistant coaches are probably a little bit more involved, maybe a lot more involved in the day to day. Responsibility recruiting. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of the day to day responsibility of everything off the court. But I would probably frame most of my experiences like the title at Indiana looks like I was over uh, in the 80s office. No, I was in the basketball office, and and you know the location of my office was you know the office closest to Coach Miller and right. next right. door to Tom Ostrom, who was the associate head coach, and I was involved in 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 all aspects. Uh, whether it was on the court, off the court, um, with those programs. So, you know, kind of have had that opportunity to be involved in all areas that go into running a program, whether it comes to academics, compliance, uh, facilities, scheduling, scheduling of non-conference opponents, scheduling of the facility, uh, managing the program calendar, the daily and weekly schedule schedule, for the players and staff, mm-hmm. uh, equipment. Uh, you know what I'm finding now. What I do here at Ball State as well. Like we got to not just order the equipment, but design everything and and right. and uh, you know <laughs> that, that all areas that go into executing the program. And especially, um, I've had the chance with almost all the coaches I've worked for. They've usually when I've started working for them has been early in their career as head coaches. So. Hopefully what I brought to Coach Lewis um, is as a – he's now a second-year head coach, but when he got the job, that someone who was really comfortable with handling all of the administrative areas of the program, and that as he made that transition to the role of head coach, Mm -hmm. that I could assist him without getting completely bogged down by all the administrative things that – Quite frankly, I mean, that probably aren't his biggest strengths um, to to assist him with that so he could spend the majority of his time on coaching and recruiting and building the program. But there were also some other challenges that were really important, which is, you know, in in a way, reengaging a fan base and Mm -hmm. getting out in the community and just helping manage – those things, and he's just done an amazing job in the community of of getting people to come out. And uh, he he had uh, uh, he's kind of known on campus as the campus party planner. Uh, <laughs> as he money last fall uh, to provide vouchers for uh, well, it was really vouchers for cold beer for the students. Good for him. But it's also they, they, the students can get uh, uh, a snack, a piece of pizza, or the cold beverage of their choice. But every game, like he had, and, and again, he had to generate the, the money, but how do you get students to come out? Well, one yeah. of the ways you get students to come out is free food. free beer. Yeah, no, and, uh, <laughs> no, uh, and, uh, no doubt. No question. No doubt. You can't it, miss. It, it, when, when, when you have, you know, uh, a student section, that suddenly started growing, you know, by hundreds uh, mm-hmm. from November, to December to February, like that makes a tangible difference in yeah. being able to get what you want as a coaching staff, which is to be in the best position to win. And when you have a great home court, oh man. you have a chance to be real successful.
2: Yeah. No, I came to a game last year, man. You guys, those people are inspired to say the
1: least about yeah.
2: Ball State basketball. No, no
1: question, yep. man. And then, actually, you kind of segued into it pretty good for me. So, um, one thing, and and this is kind of one of the main reasons I really wanted to dissect this role, especially because, like I said in the beginning, we don't have anybody who is currently in your role that we have talked to yet. So, and everybody you already kind of covered a little bit, but I want to go more in depth. Like everybody always talks about as an assistant coach, your job is to make your head coach's job 10 times easier. So maybe what are some things like some tips, some advice for other young coaches that are listening? Like how can they best help their head coaches? What are some little things and and some advice?
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, the the, the first thing I would say is you got to have great attention to detail in everything that you're doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, And I talk with, our graduate managers and student managers all the time, many of whom want to be coaches or get into athletics in some capacity. And, you know, I always ask them to keep in mind, like, you know, this isn't just that you're doing it, but like, if we give this to the head coach, this has to be done at a level that when he sees it, he's going to think it's done the right way. It's yeah. done well. It's no quality work. Mm-hmm. And I can't put enough emphasis on attention to detail. And sometimes I would add this and you know, when you're getting into this business and the profession that sometimes you have the job that isn't necessarily the dream job. It's not like I'm not the assistant coach, I'm not the head coach. I'm I'm the graduate manager or I'm the video coordinator, I'm the ops yeah. guy or whatever it is. Yeah. And you know, I think the mistake some people make is they try to do a job that they don't have. And because of that they don't do the job that they have well if that makes <laughs> no, no
2: no doubt yeah. I, one I don't foot, think one, any one foot in one thing and trying to put another foot somewhere else you know
0: yeah I don't think any head coach is gonna give you the next opportunity if he asked you to take care of uh, training table meals and the meals get messed up every day he's not gonna trust <laughs> you to go out and recruit and find players that right. are ultimately, the, the the lifeblood of the program. No question. Uh, so I think whatever your role is, you have to take pride in that role and understand how little jobs, I shouldn't say little, but seemingly little jobs can have a major impact Jeez. on the quality of a program. Oh, man. And Big with time. that, there's got to be attention to detail. There's got to be urgency. And... You know, I always say to, to to young guys, like, the more you can do, when you can do something well, then we'll give you some more to do. Yep. And, again, I think for a young person, like, when you can be involved doing a lot of things, it gives you a lot of opportunity to learn, and you also start taking on more responsibility. That's how when, whether it's where you're at and the coach you're working for or that coach speaking to you to someone he knows to help you get a, the next job, can you do a variety of things? Are you versatile? Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think the more versatile you can be, especially for young people, like being good with technology, being good with video, um, you know, so much with the creative content, like, can you design a graphic if you need to, can you put together a recruiting presentation, uh, that, you know, goes into, you know, any recruit that the staff talks to, um, Mm -hmm. there's so many ways that a young person or a young staff member can make a major impact. Um, yeah, for sure. A, a couple of our guys, again, like I say, uh, we do lunch every day after practice, and, you know, we kind of work together on it, but I, I try to let them, uh, one of our guys, like, you own this. You mm-hmm. know, you're responsible for making sure at 12 o'clock when we finish practice, lunch is here, and that it's done right every day. And, you know, again, like, I think it gives him an opportunity to sort of take something and run with it. Mm -hmm. And it's not like there aren't people to help support or give advice or whatever, but like you've got a job that you're responsible for and, you know, Hey, you're going to help this assistant coach out with pre-scouting and video, you Mm -hmm. know, that gives you an opportunity to be involved in the scouting process, to learn the scouting process. No doubt. Um, Sometimes on recruiting visits, you know, it's, it's. Printing the itinerary. It's being two steps ahead of where everyone else is on the visit. If we're coming to the photo shoot, you're not going to just show up to the photo shoot and the photo shoot's going to be ready to go. Somebody set it up. Right.
2: And uh, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. Get the golf cart. Get the golf cart ready. You know, like, right. You
0: know, (laughs) we're going to walk. We're going to walk. I think you did this at Ohio State, if I remember, Major. Like, you would walk a couple hundred yards on Ohio State's campus Mm -hmm. and that was like, you didn't walk the whole campus. You walked a couple hundred yards. Well, you got to have the golf carts spinning around and getting to the other side. To yeah. Pick
2: that, partner. that, that, that used to like to <laughs> walk families across the oval. So it was a big green walkway in the middle of campus. And it was walking across the oval. If you walked at a normal pace, probably took, you know, a few minutes, a couple of minutes, maybe, you know, maybe three, four minutes, but, um, we'd always have to make sure wherever who whoever dropped him off car golf cart whatever it is that somebody was ready on the other side of the oval to pick him up you know so like yeah. you said it's and you you hit on something that literally i love that you said it to a person everyone that's come on has said that about like listen no job is too small have 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 the greatest pride in the smallest things And don't keep score about which job's more important. This guy's doing this. Well, I don't get to do that. Like, just have the greatest amount of pride in the smallest things. And when the Patriots were kind of putting their stuff together in the early 2000s, that was a motto in their front office. The more you can do, the more you can do. And all of a sudden, guys that were, you know, scouting interns end up being like assistant GMs you know yeah. se- several years later so i love that you touched on that uh, that was that was awesome
1: No, we hit we definitely i can say hit the right topics and right questions to ask me me and alan meet every occasionally start talking like what are some questions we can go over I, I knew this would be perfect especially just because everything you said i'm sitting over here kind of taking down some notes real quick i always listen back to these later on but i always take down some notes just for things for the future you know and and you've hit on some some great things Which this kind of answered it already, but maybe more in depth just to kind of give, as I mentioned, I said it twice now, but like we haven't had anybody in your role. So what's a day to day like in your shoes? Like, what does a typical day look like now that especially you're able to be on the floor a little more?
0: Yeah, uh, really good question. I, I try, you know, especially right now as we're starting to get into playing games, it's a it's a mix between the coaching side and the administrative side. And mm-hmm. for me, it's a, a little bit of a balancing act where, you know, I, I love how we do it here where we, we, and it's the first time in my career I've ever uh, done it this way where we practice in the morning. So like our time block is nine to 12 where we're on the court um, early in the day. And by noon, we're, we're done with practice and the guys then go on to class. And, you know, as the staff, you have an opportunity to, prepare, guys who are going out recruiting can get out and recruit. Mm-hmm. Um, I find for me, it's a real balance where I come in and I'm usually locked in on what do we need to do to be ready for practice? And this is another thing I tell like our GAs every day and our, 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 our senior managers, like <clears throat> don't ever assume that things are going to look the way we expect them to look. And, you know, we're just in a facility, you, you know, when you're at the mid-major level, you share your space with a bunch of teams. And although, mm-hmm. like, I feel our players can get in there almost all day, you know, there's still, like, another team, like, we don't have our own practice, gym. And, and you know, sometimes you come in and it's like, was the volleyball team in there last night late and they didn't take down the volleyball nets? Or,
1: right. uh, you know, <laughs> is,
0: did somebody think that the film room was open to them because no one was in it at 8 in the morning when we're coming in at 9.15.
2: Um, Right, right.
0: Like I tell them, every day you have to assume that something's going to go wrong. And you check everything. You Mm -hmm. check, like, is practice ready to go? Is film ready to go? You know, do we have the practice plans? Who are the guests coming to practice? Can they Mm -hmm. get into the gym? Right. Uh, Do we have recruits coming? And so, like as they say, I lock in on – What we need to do for practice, but some of that also is operations to make sure that when the coaching staff walks in, we're that that they shouldn't have to worry about that stuff. And yeah, you know, the nice piece is that for a number of years, like I've stood on the side and I'm engaged in practice, but I haven't been able to coach in practice. Now I can be out uh, in the drills and and actually, you know, a voice in practice. Uh, So. I try to be locked in on that as much, you know, the entire practice. And then when we get to the afternoon, I really try and balance, you know, okay, what needs to be done during the business day where, like, if I'm dealing with travel-related stuff, hotels, buses, travel agents, I'm not going to get those people after five o'clock. So I got to take a few hours (laughs) when I can get those people to uh, make sure that I'm connecting with them. And then usually it's later in the day. And when I get home at night, like at this time, I try and spend time with my kids and my family for a a couple hours. But then, you know, as it gets to be uh, nine o'clock at night, my kids are asleep. That's where I try to then like between nine and midnight, you know, what can I do? Is it watching practice film? You know, there's some parts of scouting that I handle that I, you know, will prepare uh, in the evening. And, you know, maybe there's the you know, I talked to people I could during the day. Now I got to get ahead to the next day to get some people that when they come into their office at 8 a.m., because a lot of times I'm locked in on practice until noon. How can I get them responding to my questions that I couldn't get them during the business day? So a mix mm-hmm. of operational logistics and coaching every day. And sometimes I feel like, oh, I got to get to this now now. And, you know, it's like, well, uh the, the, the logistics for Friday's trip aren't in place. So I got to make sure that's done before I watch the film, because I can watch the film anytime at night. Right. So it's a balancing act. And I would add this, like sometimes I've seen, uh, you know, some young guys, they'll come into the profession, they'll tell me like, they're going to be the hardest worker and they're going to you know be the first one in and last to leave. And Coach Major, I'm sure you know this, that. You know, like right. there's working hard and there's working smart. No and doubt. then there's also, like, people who can, like, work 20 hours a day. And then after, like, three years, they don't want anything to do with coaching anymore. Yeah,
2: yeah it burns them out. Yeah. And, and,
0: again, I'll say, like, they're, they're probably, I'm sure there are some people who can go 20 hours a day and they do it for 35 years. But, you know, I try to – you know, I'm not trying to set a record in a given day <laughs> on how much I work. <laughs> But I right. work until the job is done. But yep. like I also would say, like I've been – I haven't tried to do it on a one-year stint, but over the course of a – you know, at this point, what's a 30-year career? And so, you know, with that, I would add that you got to take care of yourself. No doubt. You know, you got you to take time for yourself. Some mm-hmm. of it is family time. Some of it is time that you you got to make sure you're healthy. You know, are you eating – Do you have time to exercise? Uh, Are you sleeping at night? Because if you don't do those things, you're not going to be able to perform over time. Just like our players, you're not going to be able to perform over time. If you don't take care of your body and that's where you're going to get burned out. And for all the excitement you have of coaching that if you go for two or three or four years and you don't take any, care of yourself mm-hmm. it's going to be hard to sustain
2: yeah no doubt man
1: preaching brother you preaching He's not only giving us basketball facts, but coaching facts and just life facts. I love it, and th- this is that has been perfect. Um, and I mean, especially longevity. You know, that's that's why LeBron's still in the league right now. Getting I'm getting updates for ESPN and, and last couple of days saying Lakers and everything. It's why the man's still playing basketball to this day. So right. uh, take care of your body, take care of your mind. That's that's some that's great words of wisdom. Um, so actually, Alan, um, do you do you have any final comments to get into before we get into the final segment? No man, let's
2: uh let's get to the three quick hitters and um, we'll keep uh we'll keep it efficient with Mr.
1: Efficiency himself. Mr. Efficiency himself. Okay. <laughs> so uh Coach Comar, what we're gonna do is we ask three quick hitters, okay? So three quick okay. questions, basic personalized questions um, just to let all the listeners get to know who you are as an individual and as a human being outside of the job. Short, quick responses, and then we'll go from there. We'll go boom, boom, boom. Then we'll ask you a final question and get to the closing statements. So first okay. one, do you typically pl- like to plan? And I'm sure after – I, I kind of picked this just because of all the all of your history so far. Do you like to plan events in advance or be more spontaneous?
0: I'm, I'm a planner. <laughs> I I, I I think you knew the answer. I knew the (laughs) answer. But but I'm I'm a planner. I I wish I could do things a little bit more spontaneous. And I've learned you got to go with the flow. But uh, (laughs) I'm a planner.
1: I knew. And that's why I kind of had to put it in there. But I I knew that answer was going to be planning. Um, But second one is. Wake up in the middle of the night. What's a quick go to midnight snack? Or maybe before before you go to sleep, Do you have any good midnight snacks?
0: Mm. Yeah, I would say to my previous point about taking care of yourself, I try not to eat real late at <laughs> night because that doesn't always sit well. Right yeah. now, I've had a weakness a weakness for uh, Cheez Its. Mm. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. You I mean, I feel like you can't you go can't, through can't just a, have a small handful of a end up being like that yeah half the box or the full biden family size box in two days <laughs> what
1: here. yeah yeah and you pull your hand down, and you're
0: like right? moderation where'd the box go
1: where the, the whole yeah. thing go
0: moderation yeah and and with little kids i've, I've found also my freezer we have uh the, the the drumsticks ice cream cones, oh, which I don't think I've had in maybe 40 years, mm. but I find myself eating a drumstick every night.
1: <laughs> I, drumsticks, I mean, those, yeah, those are good. You if said every night, week, and you like said that with a straight guy. face. <laughs> you said that with a straight face too, so you know he's having a drumstick every night.
0: I'm having a drumstick
2: probably after the poll. Oh,
1: and then man, the yeah, final yeah. one, okay. So you've given us a lot of wisdom so far, but is there any words of wisdom in particular that you have on a day-to-day basis that you feel you live by?
0: Wow, that's a it's a tough one. I uh, I don't know if I have a good answer for you on that one. Uh, that's fine. I, I don't know. I tried. I try to be. Uh, I try to be consistent, uh, and I, I try to. How would I frame it? That that you know, every day I'm trying to attack. You know, a couple guys who've worked with me at other places would know. Kind of like what what would be that I say every day. Uh, it would be attack the day, attack, attack what you're doing. Uh, I think, you know, when coach major and I worked together at Xavier, I mean, it was sort of a foundational principle of like attack, attack, everything we attack in all that we do. And, uh, that would probably be the, the, in, in one word, uh, the motto I try to live by, you know, try, I don't know if always accomplish, but, uh, okay to kind of have attacking mode uh, attacking mode for whatever it is and that goes back to all the things we talked about about you know what can be perceived as little jobs that you still attack them
1: yeah, uh, so
0: that love would it. be that would be my one word attack Well said man
1: well said. love it and then this kind of all ties into so the final <laughs> question and last thing we always ask everybody who's on the call is as you know and you're familiar with the platform rising coaches um yep. but Everybody trying to move up in the industry. What is your best top piece of advice if you had to narrow down at least to one um, and pe- for people who are trying to get their foot in the door and how can they accomplish this goal?
0: You know, I, I kind of had my list of like seven or eight things. So I don't know if I could focus <laughs> on one, but if I had to say one thing, I would probably say, and I might say two things here at once, but I would say be persistent and be resilient. And, mm. you, you know, as a starting point, um, things don't always happen on the timeline you want them to happen uh, -hmm. I've certainly lived it. Uh, you know, you don't always get the opportunity when you want it or when you think you deserve it or what you believe you've earned. And sometimes just getting your foot in the door, like for, for young coaches is the biggest challenge. And I always tell, I always tell people like, Hey, if you want to do this, you just got to stick with it and you gotta, you gotta stay persistent. You gotta develop relationships. It takes time. It might not be this year. It might not be next year, but find ways to be engaged in the game, mm-hmm. volunteer places, uh, go to clinics. Uh, again, rising coaches is a tremendous platform for, for networking opportunities. I just encourage that you, you have to be persistent and you kind of have to ask yourself, you know, it, 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 what level of frustration are you willing to deal with? Um, and and you know if you really want to do it you have to you have to stick with it and then that goes to my latter point on resiliency uh, which is the, the the ability to stick with it and mm-hmm. you know I would say and I've I've lived this over the last couple of years that you know you could be on a great running coaching maybe you get the job you want maybe you've been part of a lot of winning teams and winning seasons and great success and then all of a sudden you hit. A tough point in your career sometimes it's out of your control uh, yeah. a lot of times it's out of your control because we as coaches don't get usually to determine when we go uh, right. somebody else an administrator is going to make that decision and I've faced a couple of times in the last three years where coaching staffs I was part of the head coach was let go and you know when you're an assistant you're tied to that head coach and that uh, mm-hmm. they they, they, they the, the school they'll get rid of you uh, at the same time uh, that they'll make a change with the head coach, and yeah. you know what I would say is, how do you respond when things don't go well? Uh, there's, how do you respond when it doesn't go well in a particular game, and you have a bad day? How does it go well when you've had a bad year and maybe you got to find another job and another place to live, and you're moving your family? And uh, like, what what are you, what are you willing to uh, to do to keep going? Yeah. And I think Preach. you're going to find, and and you know, I know. Uh, Alan and I have both experienced this. Sometimes you get knocked down, uh, whether it's fair, whether it's unfair. That's the, that's this business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, can you pick yourself up? Can you continue to believe in yourself? Uh, and to believe in yourself, you got to know who you are. Like, what are you about as a person? What do you stand for? What are your values? And can you keep going? And with that, I would also add in times of adversity, it's always important. and It's given me a lot of perspective. Um, you got to keep in mind the people who are always with you, good or bad, uh, that they don't necessarily care if you're the head coach at a power five school, but they believe in you as a person because of who you are as a person. And, you know, for me, it's been, it's been my family. It's been my wife. It's been my kids. It's been my parents. It's been a few close friends.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: but, you know, you'll go a few months at times where it's like, hey, does anyone know I'm still out here? Yeah, and, yeah.
2: You're checking your phone. Uh, you, know, you see if it's turned on because it's been so quiet. Right. Is
0: any, <laughs> Does anyone know I'm out here? And mm-hmm. uh, you'll right. have those times. And I feel some of the adversity I've, I've experienced in, in the last couple of years where, as I said, it just didn't go well. And and uh, I was just part of a, 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 a coaching change and uh, mm-hmm. uh, that – you know those experiences um, they have they made me a better husband, they've made me a better father, and hopefully a better person. And and as I'm in the current role I'm in at Ball State, hopefully a better coach and staff member to, uh, uh, you know, continue to to help young people achieve their goals uh, through basketball and what they want to get out of their education. Uh, but uh, times that are tough don't necessarily uh, mean that you're not going to get back or that you know, maybe it takes a long time. But um, a- again, I would just say the importance of resiliency in coaching, especially if you want to do it over the long haul, yeah. I can't uh, stress enough that uh, you're going to have some tough moments in this deal. And if you really love doing it and if you really want to be a coach, uh, how do you handle things when they don't go well?
2: Home run, mm. brother.
1: Uh. Preach.
2: Home, home run. That That's not only out of the – out of the stands that's out of the park completely so phenomenal
1: phenomenal yeah well yeah that thing is in McCovey
2: Cove in San Francisco the bets out there by the boats
0: (laughs) yeah well I I tell you you know sometimes like when you I feel like I've made enough mistakes and and at times lose perspective and and uh you know when you have those moments you come back to what's really important and uh you know hopefully when you you, you go through experiences that you, you, you learn from everything. Some of them are going to be great experiences. Uh, and again, coach major and I were part of three straight NCAA tournaments uh, at, at Xavier, the elite eight. And, and uh, you know, again, then there's some other moments that we've had that aren't as good. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta find ways to keep going and keep yourself motivated and engaged, even if maybe there isn't the opportunity uh, that you want or you feel you deserve or you got to keep going and and just keep keep pounding the rock so to speak to create another opportunity love it man and i would also add this just my last point i know you got to get to practice doug um good is uh you can be a good coach anywhere and you know it's it's not necessarily the level you're at it's not like well if you're uh, high major division one. Now you're a good coach. There's a lot of great coaches in division three, division two, NAIA, uh, AAU. Uh, mm-hmm. You can be a great coach wherever you are. And and you know, as I said, w- why I like to do it is to, to impact young people in a positive way to help them achieve their goals. Uh, you can be great anywhere, and it's not like, well, hey, uh, I'm I'm at a power five school or I'm at a division one school. You can be great anywhere.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And I know people will need to hear that. People will definitely need to hear that. I mean, heck, I need to hear that. It always helps.
2: Yeah. Uh, and just the, let everybody a little help. People on this, you know, the, either followers or rising coaches or, you know, obviously watching these pods now from all levels, you know, from youth all the way up to, you know, the, the pros. So we just kind of take it upon ourselves through this platform to, to help kind of grow the profession, grow the game, but, you know, grow the profession especially. And so, my man, Bill, this has been a big time, brother. Um, thank you for being on. I know Doug's going to close us out, but um, this yeah. was uh, this was awesome, man. Home run. Well,
0: again, thanks so much for having me and and uh, let me have a chance to share my story. So uh, hopefully, it'll help some young people. And and obviously, uh, if there are coaches who see this, um, you know, happy to to be a resource and a contact uh, if I can help. Uh, you know, other members that probably haven't had the chance to take as much advantage of the, the networking opportunities through rising coaches and happy to be a part of, 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 of helping uh, younger coaches uh, uh, along the path.
1: And they'd be stupid not to use your coach with your, with the knowledge that you spilled today. Perfect. Uh, And thank you again, as, as Alan mentioned, thank you for being on the call, sharing your experience with us. It definitely means a lot, uh, especially not even for us, but just the rising coaches community. And, Um, To give us the kind of the closing remarks, that does it for another episode of the Rising Coaches podcast. Again, I'm Doug Caputo alongside Alan Major. Keep working. Keep rising, coaches. Take care. Our friends at Dr. Dish Basketball are here to help you take your team's training to the next level this season. Get an exclusive discount on the in-game changing features on select Dr. Dish Rebel Plus All-Star Plus and CT Plus Shooting Machines by mentioning the Rising Coaches podcast or let them know that the Rising Coaches organization had sent you just to get your exclusive discount. I want to thank all our listeners for tuning in with us this episode. If you are not a member, want more content, or even be a potential member on our member spotlight to have your story heard, go visit risingcoaches.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and X at Rising Coaches. And don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating, and review so we can continue to keep rising together.